Welcome to the Dreams and Money podcast, the ultimate guide to creating and living your best life. Join me as I talk to inspiring, trailblazing millennials who are breaking barriers and being bosses in their careers and personal lives. Okay, welcome to Dreams and Money. I'm excited for this episode because I have Taddy, who is the owner of the luxury contemporary fashion brand Shroshfa. Please introduce yourself. My name is Taddy. And I am one of the creative directors at Shivoshiwa. I work with my brother. When did you guys start the brand? So we started sort of dabbling when I, shortly after I finished uni. I'll say that was like the end of 2000 and I want to say 16. But we took it seriously out around mid 2018. Like that's when we registered the business and we've just been working on it since. When I've actually looked at your Instagram and the website, the clothes look so well put together. And when I've actually seen you like wearing some of the pieces, um, they look so well put together. They look it's like a clean look, but it looks like great quality as well. Is that something that you really wanted to emphasize considering it's almost on the luxurious side of the yeah, spectrum? Absolutely. Like that was our main goal. With Shavoshiva, it's taken so many different turns. And then we finally got to where we are today. So initially, I would say we kind of sort of wanted to do wholesale. And then from then, it progressed into like, okay, so we're going to have like a men's brand, like call it misguided for men. That's the angle it took at one point. And then one day we just decided, okay, no, we're actually going to have it like a brand and hopefully it will grow into something big and it'll be like a household brand that people know about. So building off of that, we kind of sort of decided which target market and which where we want to sit in the market. And from that, we realised yeah. that it needs to look luxurious, it needs to look clean, and that's where we've got the vision from. And that it definitely stands out, and I can tell just from the imaging and um, how you branded yourselves that that really does come across and it doesn't just come across as you know like you were saying like a a boohoo for men or like a a misguided for women it's it's really quite distinct in the look and the feel of the the entire brand in itself Um, (laughs) and in, in terms of like the process to get to where you are now and finding even just about finding suppliers and you know working with manufacturers how have you managed to to do that because I would have no idea where to begin going into this I had no idea where to start but luckily I have some cousins and they were around one like I think it was like during the holidays and like me and my bro were just telling them about like this idea we had and they were like oh um Teddy why don't you go and apply for the Prince's Trust and I was like oh what does the Prince's Trust do and basically the Prince's Trust has like an enterprise scheme that you can do and it just basically teaches you about business so I applied for it and I got myself on the course and it taught me some priceless information about how to run a business and things that I didn't know like going in I didn't even know what the difference between a sole trader and a limited company was like these are kind of things that I didn't know even down to taxes these are all things they taught us on the call yeah oh that's amazing yeah from then I just I got a mentor and he guided me through the process he's not really somebody that knows about clothing but he knows about business so having him like on my side just helped the process really but in terms of manufacturing that has been a journey and a half it's it's tough to get a reliable Mm -hmm. manufacturer that's going to produce the items to the quality that you want them to be at and um, and are they um do you produce your clothing within the UK or was it outside of the country initially we did want it in the UK then we expanded and wanted it in Europe and then we realized that you know that's quite tough so our current collection was made in Pakistan but unfortunately, I've cut ties with that manufacturer because he let us down with some of the stuff. So at the moment, I've restarted yeah. that journey of looking for manufacturers. But now I'm more clued up and I know exactly what to look for and how to not get messed around again. 
I can imagine it is like a continuous learning process, particularly at the beginning, because like you were saying, some of these things you don't know. And um, it's almost learning from your own mistakes and almost just making sure you don't repeat those same mistakes again. Exactly. And at this point, what are some of the things that you look for, particularly within manufacturers and suppliers that you work with? What's the criteria for what would be good in your eyes at this point? In my eyes, off the back, you can't always be too sure. So you have to get talking to them. So one of the key things that I look out for is a manufacturer that has good communication. I need to be able to email you in the morning and and get a response at some point during that day. Um, I can't be yeah. waiting like three days, four days for a response. So communication is clear. And in terms of communication as well, because the manufacturers that I work with at the moment, they are abroad. So having good English is really important so that there's no like miscommunication when it comes to like the clothing and the way you want things to be produced. Um, one of the yes. key things as well is making sure they have a third party type of way of accepting payment. I have no interest in sending my money directly to a manufacturer that I haven't worked with before. So if they have like a PayPal facility or something along those lines that's one of the key things I yes. look for yeah those I would say those are the main two things that I look for and then I get samples and then from there I can see whether the stuff is actually good but I'm not going to get samples until those two things have been ticked that sounds like quite the challenge and at this point do you find that it's necessary for instance with the suppliers that you work with to maybe have actual written contracts and maybe have lawyers involved in the process or are you not I'm there not yet? there yet. The first manufacturer that I tried to work with, they were based in the UK but they had their manufacturing done in Pakistan. So I actually managed to have a physical meeting with them and from that I did mm-hmm. a contract and also a non-disclosure agreement. Um, but where I didn't end up working with them I didn't quite use that contract anymore and um, I feel like if I draw up a contract with a company in Pakistan or somewhere abroad I feel like it's almost redundant because they can just run away they can just run away anyway like despite the contract so all I do of course all I do is I get them to sign the non-disclosure agreement so it appears that I'm kind of serious I guess maybe as I grow and I'm able to afford a lawyer perhaps that is something I look into no, completely. Then and that makes sense because again, there may be certain laws that would apply here. For instance, if you had an issue, that may not actually apply in that country. So exactly. potentially making certain things in your contract redundant at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that that sounds like <laughs> quite the challenge. But I mean, so <laughs> far you, you, I mean, you've got to where you are, so you're doing something right. Um, yeah. And in terms of actually, just going back to something you said about your your mentor like how important has that been in in your process in the journey of not only the brand but yourself as an individual in terms of the brand he guides me on things that I don't know about so like recently we were doing our tax returns for the year and I just wasn't sure whether I had to file a self-assessment um I wasn't sure whether I had to file one of those or not so that's something I dropped down in an email to him and just asked him about it instead of me like trying to scour the internet and find an answer he just gave me like the answer that I needed and especially like now during this COVID he sent me resources that will help me as a small business and things that I wouldn't have known about or looked into like just that kind of support and in terms of mental support like personal support he kind of just makes sure that I'm keeping on track so where if you don't have that kind of person you might just say okay let me just park this for a little bit but if I even yeah like you have somebody like someone to hold you accountable almost yeah exactly so he will pop up and be like what are you doing what what (laughs) for the next month or two can we set up a meeting let's talk about where you're at is good for that yeah and keeping keeping track and making sure that you're progressing in the way that you've said you want to progress 
So is it something that you feel like you would recommend for everyone to have in terms of like anyone that has a business or just as an individual? Do you feel like having a mentor, especially at a young age, is important? I do think having a mentor is very important because um, it's kind of sort of just having that guidance. Like, yeah, you can have guidance from your parents, but from a mentor, it's a different kind of guidance because they're focusing on this goal that you want to achieve. And sometimes perhaps your parents might not feel like what you're doing is something that they had seen for you to do as, you know, their child. But you have this mental yeah. kind of on your side throughout it and you have those conversations with them. If you get what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure they, they probably give you objective, impartial advice and they're not advising you as like a friend or a sister or as a daughter, but they're actually giving you advice somebody that is a little bit impartial and can look at things objectively versus subjectively in terms of like your personal growth do you feel like they've they've genuinely supported you in in that sense and you've kind of seen a difference from before you actually had the mentor and now like and have they challenged you to maybe look at things different um absolutely he has he has helped me in my growth, particularly like in the beginning stages of Shiva Shiva. One of the key things he said is that name holds weight. So don't sell yourself short. Don't cheapen the brand. Sell your products at the price that you want to sell it at. Um, and what does what does the name so mean? So the name means try me and you'll see. And it's my dad's middle name. And you've kind of embedded that within the brand and the ethos. Yeah. So even when it comes down to the logo that we have, so we have like a, I don't know what to call it, like a mascot logo. We haven't quite released yeah. it yet. Um, but okay. that was a, it's a, it's an Elan, which is my dad's family totem. Okay. So it's like try to incorporate the African side into the brand. And what, I had to Google what is an, what an Eland was for a quick second. I was like, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> um, oh, but I love that. I love that. Um, you actually just mentioned that you, you know, your mentor said to you, make sure you don't cheapen the brand and make sure that it it stands at the quality that you want it to to stand at. Now, I want to ask you, so recently Jay Haas had, he released a high-end fashion brand. He had t-shirts and he had jackets. So like I said, it's high-end. So prices started from around £200 for a t-shirt up to, I think, £900 for the coats and the jackets. Yeah. And he received a lot of um, critique from people saying that they felt it was too expensive. Why is it high end? Um, was he not considering his his target audience and the people that listen to to him? Yeah. And it just feels yeah. as if when whenever like young black business owners or just like ethnic minority people or who are business owners, whenever they, they want to have something that's sort of high end and targeted towards that market and want to have um I guess prizes that are I guess high end there's always like um critique and and feed like negative feedback what do you think about Um, that so in terms of Jay Hart's collection I get him he probably didn't want to have his brand diluted in an affordable um kind of bracket of brands because there's loads of brands out there that do price their products at an affordable price and I guess yeah. it's kind of sort of to do with like brand per- perception and how he wants his brand to be perceived and also I'm, I'm not sure if I'm right or not but I'm sure he has his stuff produced in Italy maybe I think I feel like I saw mm-hmm. a tweet of him saying that and from experience, I know manufacturing your clothes in Italy does cost a lot. Not sure whether it does warrant for a t-shirt to be two hundred pounds, but it does cost a lot. Um, but yeah. I do at the same time understand that he does have a target market, and perhaps most of the people in his target market aren't going to be able to afford his clothing. But then you kind of sort of have to flip it and see, okay, but was he actually trying to target his target market? Do you know what I mean? Like maybe yeah, this brand made isn't supposed to be like merch. So if it was merch, then yeah, people could say like if you're if you're trying to charge that much for merch, you're not really looking at your target audience. 
but yes I could see he's probably trying to actually build a household name and he's well within his rights to price his products to do so sit in the market and interesting enough I heard the the collection actually did sell out I'm not sure if the entire collection sold out but I believe some of the items on his collection did sell out regardless of the 200 price point or the 800 pound price point but then do you feel like sometimes it's looked on as if because certain things are like coming from our own people black people or as ethnic minorities we should try and not necessarily cater to 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 those people because that's assuming they can afford it but Mm -hmm. it's as if we're not warranted the same privileges as as other groups to have brands and services and products that cost a lot more exactly like um a lot of the people that were probably speaking down on J-Hus probably do go out and buy Gucci, which is probably yeah. like in the same price range as his products. So it doesn't make sense not to want to put that money back into, you know, where you're from, somebody that you can actually relate to. Um, agreed. So Absolutely like, agreed. I don't understand why there was such a big issue like you should be happy that jhos can come out and price his products at that price and become somebody that is up there as a higher yeah brand. no I, I i agree with you and i do feel like we should have the same privilege and build low end to high end businesses really and, and cater to all markets and not just the low end market but the high end market as well because there is a demand and clearly um he was able to supply that demand and meet it as well so when it came to your your products and building your brand and building it towards high-end fashion what was the process like in terms of well in terms of actually just coming to price points and agreeing price points what was the process with that I would say that was probably like the second most difficult part of this um journey because like mm. I knew where I wanted to be and where I wanted to price my things to be and where I wanted to fall but then you kind of sort of have other people whispering into your ear and saying oh that's too expensive like I'm not going to be able to afford that kind of thing and then I kind of, yeah. sort of just had to take a step back and re-remind myself like where I actually want to be in the market and I do still feel like um I am a little bit cheaper than where I actually wanted to be, but you know, yeah. I had to come to some sort of um, compromise. But I had to tell myself that this brand is not even for you. Like, I like, do you know what I mean? Like, so in terms of like, let's say friends or family, because you know, I think like a popular saying is that sometimes when starting a business, your friends and family are not always your target audience. No, they're not. That's that's, that's what I mean not necessarily for you I'm targeting a different market because you know yeah having your friends and family buy from your business that's not gonna sustain it yes for long. Yeah. no it might sustain it for the first couple months but now when you're trying to look at the bigger picture having your friends and family purchase they're not always going to purchase your stuff because a lot of the time yeah. they may not it may not even be their style but they're just purchasing it to you know to support, to support you and that's not sustainable so you need to pick out your actual target market and then in that sense you can start to build a sustainable business yeah in terms of actually building the brand and um, building a social media following and marketing and PR how did you initially go about that at the beginning at the beginning I just thought okay I need to make an Instagram and I need to make a Facebook page and from then I just started posting pictures, following target my target market accounts and having them follow me back. And that's kind of how I started building followers. And then now the way I run the social media account, are I will go into the target market and I will like, like their pictures, comment on their pictures. And they'll be like, oh, like I can see this brand commenting on my pictures. Then they'll come onto the page, have a look. If they like it, they're likely to follow. If they don't, and it's cool you wasn't you wasn't my target market so that's kind of sort of how I'm trying to market the brand in terms of like Instagram Facebook I'm not so good at um because I don't really use Facebook personally myself yeah so um, and, and would you say your your target audience does use Facebook because I feel like 
um it, your type of audience is you know younger and um and I don't feel like we're on Facebook as no, much no we're not on Facebook um that much but the thing is with Facebook I talk to um people that own clothing brands but then again you know it is like a whole host of and um, target markets um and mm. they tend to say that you know Facebook is so great and that was that's what makes me think oh, let me try Facebook because people tell yeah that it's really this amazing place to market your business and so that's kind of sort of why I'm on Facebook but I'm not sure whether my target market is on there I don't know <laughs> It is a bit of a difficult one. But then I guess looking, let's say, outside of the UK and outside of our own culture within the U- within the youth um, in the UK, potentially looking at Europe and America. America, I'm not so sure of, but maybe Europe could still be within that phase where they are using Facebook. So it could be something that is still useful Possibly. in a way. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. At the like, <laughs> I don't get that much engagement on my Facebook page. But then at the same time, I can't really talk because I don't put as much effort into my Facebook that I do to Instagram. So yeah, because yeah. I guess with Instagram, it, it seems to be working. So it's like if it's working, then we continue with that and continue to build on what seems to be working versus. Um, trying something that's not working as exactly. much you were recently well the brand was recently featured in GQ magazine which is amazing um, congratulations on that how <laughs> how did that come about Basically, how it came about was one day she's checking my emails as I usually do and I see an email from they were just like we're in GQ we saw your brand and we feel like it um, kind of fits in with our, our demographic do you think you'd be interested in discussing this further and I was just like well this is a spam <laughs> especially because yeah. like it said what's their umbrella company called it's called like Condonast something like that and mm-hmm. I was like the email is not even from GQ like it's not even at GQ so I was like this is definitely a lie but something made me just google like Condonast and um, I saw that it's the umbrella company for like GQ, Tatla, and Vogue. And I was like, okay, so this actually could be legit. Um, then yeah. I responded and the lady just told me what I needed to do. So what I actually did was what I wanted to um, be seen in GQ was um, this jacket that we plan on releasing at some point this year. That's what I wanted to be featured in the magazine. So I quick got one of like, so basically when I, whenever I do samples, I will order a jacket or something or like a t-shirt and then I'll like customize it myself. And so that I mm-hmm. can kind of sort of get an idea of what it would look like. So that's what I did with this jacket. I quickly customized it, took the picture, edited it on Photoshop and sent it to them. They were happy. Oh, okay. That's kind of sort of how it came about oh wow from there it was just like they just put it into the magazine yeah so it was in the style edit section it was a humble feature you know but a a feature yeah uh, nonetheless yeah yeah. that's amazing and then um in terms of like other marketing strategies um just going back to social media Mm -hmm. um has working with social media influencers been something that you've done or are looking to do Uh, and what has your experience been with that so far my experience with social media influencers hasn't been the greatest so i haven't actually quite as yet like reached out to any um, the only ones mm-hmm. that I've worked with are the ones that I've approached myself. So, like, obviously, like, if you're approaching me, one would think that, you know, you like the brand. So I have sent out a couple bits to different size influencers, uh, like, ranging from somebody with 100K followers to, like, down to, like, the micro-influencers of, like, 10K, 5K. And at this present moment, I've, I haven't really received anything back from making that investment I guess yeah so do you mean hmm? does that mean um so not receiving anything back in terms of actual pictures and then being visibly seen in your clothing online or do you mean um in terms of increase in engagement with your brand as a Um, result of the social media influences it's kind of like a bit of both so 
the content that I have received, I've received content from everybody that I've sent stuff from, but the content, the content hasn't been like of a good standard. Like I have mm. had message one or two of them and be like, "What is this kind of thing?" Um, yeah. And then also, oh, like, wow. So the, the the content wasn't up to par. Really, wasn't good enough for you to maybe even repost. Would you say that? Yeah, like I ha- I haven't reposted any of the things that I've been sent. Um, the things that I sent to like a model, like her content was good, so I've reposted that. But like, she's not exactly a social media influencer. Influence, she just yeah. models. She was good to work with, but which is really sad because. And quite interesting because you're not the first brand owner I've heard say that. I've seen interviews and YouTube videos of other brand owners and business owners say that when they've attempted to work with social media influencers, sometimes it hasn't been worth investment. Um, And sometimes it's been a case where they've almost felt ripped off because they've either sent their products to these influencers and either not received acknowledgement from the influencers or they've not received content that was good enough or the the influencers have almost kind of taken the product um, and not posted anything on their social media, which is pretty much just ripping somebody off. Yeah, the the most recent um, one that I had, and he actually got me really frustrated because he had approached me and it's like it's not even like I went out of my way to approach you and kind of sort of like got you to do this for me you approached me and um Mm. he took some photos and he uploaded them onto his Instagram account so quite quickly I realized okay these photos are not going to be photos that I'm going to be able to use for my account because it doesn't quite go with the theme that I'm trying to have on the social media account but you know at least yeah. it's on his page and um, I think it was maybe like a couple of weeks ago I don't know I was just looking at his page and the pictures were gone and I was like I messaged him and I was just like it's people like you <laughs> I was I was quite upset it's people like yeah you, I can it, imagine it was just a bad name like I've it costs me to send you this stuff like don't think that because you know I have it it doesn't cost me anything to send it to you like mm. stuff and uh, money to send you this stuff so when you just don't have the image on your social media anymore it's like I've, I've wasted I've wasted my time I've wasted you know my money I've wasted I've wasted a lot to just give you this yeah. you asked for um for you just not to give me anything back and it's just not fair but, you know, he responded quite nicely and he said, OK, I'm going to take some pictures today and re-upload it. He said he was just trying to give his Instagram a revamp. And, yeah, he did upload the pictures. Still not quite to the standard that I wanted them to be at, but, you know, it's in line with his Instagram. So I guess it's OK. But yeah. having said that, I still didn't really get any, like, anything back. Return of investments, like, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite put me off. Maybe I'm working with the wrong ones. Maybe it's because I, I haven't <laughs> approached them. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Potentially, I mean, yeah, potentially just not found the right ones and hopefully you will. Um, so kind of going forward, what's what's your approach going to be? Do you think maybe um, marketing via social media influencers may not be the way to go? Or are you still looking to see if you can find ones that would work? together with you and and your brand um I think I will try again but I'm definitely going to take a different approach like I'm going to look for them myself um I want to target maybe particularly ones that are fashion based and also those that have got a big following so I don't think I'm going to look for anyone that has like less than 250k following on Instagram and kind of sort of see whether that makes a difference because I was keen on working with the micro ones but you know that hasn't worked for me as of yet so let me try working with those that have got a bigger following and actually um, talk about rate cards and see whether that makes a difference in terms of the content that they produce and also yeah. I think this time around I will send them like a mood board so they understand what kind of content I want and I guess if I am paying the price um 
it is a contract I can go back and say no you need to redo this this is exactly what I want I guess I probably will have more of a leg to stand on and go yeah that way and see whether that works if that doesn't work then <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <laughs> then yeah it's a case of maybe just looking at alternatives isn't it but I'm um, just yeah. moving forward um to talk about the economics of business what what's your experience been like in terms of actually from the beginning raising funds to start your business um what was that like did you get investors or did you self-fund the the entire brand so initially when I was dabbling well I should say when we were dabbling me and my brother we invested a bit of our own money it wasn't much so it was like things to get sort of like um samples that we can do ourselves here to get equipment that we have in our office those are the kind of things that we invested in um, to start off with and the princess yeah. Trust does give you money as well if you go through the course they can give you some money too but in terms of actually now being able to stock the brand um we were very lucky that um my parents were our investors so they invested. Oh, that's um, beautiful. Yeah, they invested in a business. In the business, we had to give them like a business plan and have a sit down meeting and all that good stuff. And they were happy with everything they saw, and they were happy to invest. So we have that um, support, but at the same time, that support comes with pressure because you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure. Like, I mean, like any other investors, you know, they they want to make sure that there is a return on the investments, you know. Exactly, and you know, it's something that is made known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that's beautiful that your family um was super supportive of you because I'm sure it's that's not everybody's experience. So just you know to have um that support financially um and everything else um goes a long way um and I've seen that a a, a part of you building your your business has been pop-ups how has that worked in your favor so far and what's your aim with those when you are going into pop-ups are the most important thing for our brand right now I would say anybody that started a clothing brand or even like a cosmetics brand I would definitely say look into doing pop-ups, look into doing um, trade shows and exhibit your stuff. Because the most Mm. important thing about pop-up is that people actually get the opportunity to touch your products and to see your, like to physically like see the quality of your stuff. And then on top Mm. of that, they get the opportunity to talk to you. And I guess in business, it's, People want to. People want to, you know, meet the person. They want to make it like personal, kind of. If that makes sense. Yeah, and they they want to know the person behind the brand as well. Exactly. So at these pop ups, they get to meet me. They get to meet my brother. They get to meet the team that we go with, and they get to see the personality behind the brand because that can be a little bit difficult to translate in pictures which is why one of my posts on Instagram was kind of sort of what we got up to at our last pop-up and that has got one of the best engagements that we've had on on the account and I was like okay so people they want to see what we're up to they want to see like what we're about Um, yeah yeah so I think it's really it's really important and it's a shame with this COVID because we had like a couple pop-ups planned and they've been cancelled so it's a bit rubbish um and it is where we get the most of our sales from the pop-ups so oh, okay. people like to meet us and to fill the products because it, we do get good comments when people do fill the products because they can see that you know a lot of a lot of time has gone into like the material selection and all of that. You can't quite always see that from just looking at in pictures on on a website. Absolutely. So, what else can we look forward to from your brand? So, at the moment, you've got a collection of tracksuits, you've graphic t-shirts, which I love, by the way, they look really nice, as well as jumpsuits as well. Um, what else can we expect? Accessories in the future, perhaps, or what's what's the vision so the vision so we're gonna keep the tracksuits there but we almost want to like step away from the tracksuits so those may those may or may not be the last tracksuits you see from us 
and we do want okay. to produce some things that are more unique because we've seen from the pop-ups mostly people are interested in the jumpsuits and the more unique products that we have so that's yeah. that we've seen that's kind of sort of where we need to focus so in the future you will be seeing things that are a little bit more unique so things like denim jackets more jumpsuit styles perhaps um more more creative graphic t-shirts and things like bodysuits like there are some bodysuits and like two-piece sets that I hand make myself and so things like that will be like on the website hopefully soon what about swimwear because I saw I think you were wearing it um I'm not sure if it was a picture or if I actually saw you in person wearing it um, during Afronation. Am I, am I correct? Yeah, I did have one on during Afronation. Um, yeah, it looks really nice. Things. Oh, thank you. Those are part of the things that I hand make myself. So yeah, definitely, hopefully there will be on the website. But I've been dancing around the idea of having the things that I make by hand on the website because I'm not sure whether I'm going to be able to keep up with like orders say if demand you know, they, do, they do really well because we do want it to be like a fast service we do offer next day delivery on all orders in the uk if ordered before like a certain time so yeah. i'm not sure unless i just sew a lot and just have that up on the website we'll see but that's something during this quarantine that i am gonna see whether i want to get get that done and see what designs i can come up with I have like okay. kind of, sort of like a handmade, handmade collection by me. <laughs> well, I would definitely be looking forward to it, especially <laughs> if you have any bikinis. Hopefully, we will get some kind of summer yeah, <laughs> and be out of quarantine and be in the sun and be able to travel again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just hoping because like we have a launch party that we wanted to do as well, like in the summer, and which we've had to park because um, we don't know whether we're going to get a summer um, yeah, well fingers so. crossed yeah fingers crossed well you'll be able to do that and um we can get more pieces from you as well um yeah. I know you said you're starting a YouTube channel tell me a little bit more about that so going off on what I was saying about people wanting to get to know the person behind the brand that's kind of sort of what's given me the motivation to start a YouTube channel um, mm. so on the YouTube channel if and when I eventually start it because that's a scary place like it's not somewhere where I've ever been like Instagram you know I'm used to it but YouTube like I've heard that they're a bit more brutal on YouTube <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean you can always turn off the comments if anything goes wrong <laughs> it's true <laughs> So yeah on youtube it's just gonna be mainly like about behind the scenes what we're up to day by day say if we have photo shoots pop-ups just so people can see what we're up to and just to get mm. to know behind the brand a little bit but i think before youtube i'm gonna try igtv first and see whether yeah. i yeah being in front of the camera um so even like this i'm trying to record a little behind the scenes um, yeah. Like after you release the the show, I'll like release like a video and see what I'll see whether I like how it comes out. How it goes. Yeah. And I think like from like I'm somebody who like I will if I see a brand on you know social media, I will definitely kind of be looking and seeing like oh who's the owner and from there I start looking at or like for instance if they do have a YouTube, I'm like. I'm Googling them, I'm looking at, okay, what else do they get up to behind the scenes and how, you know, what else is happening um, with the brand and just getting to know the person behind the brand. So it definitely does help in terms of like, you know, building an audience in that sense. I've definitely realised that as I've gone on doing this business because initially I was like, I don't want anyone to know who I am. I just want them to see the brand and let it speak for itself. But, you know, that mindset has changed drastically and people are gonna have to know who I am <laughs> yeah, and I am definitely. Have to like face my fears and just get in front of that camera and just show them a little bit about myself so I do have like a couple videos planned for IDTV just to see how it goes and then eventually I will graduate onto YouTube <laughs> onto YouTube well, well yeah. again we'll be looking forward to it and I'll definitely be watching because 
I'm nosy and I love kind of seeing people develop and build their brands and seeing like what what they get up to behind the scenes. So we're going to go on to our fire round, question round section of the podcast. Um, I'm just going to ask you a couple quick questions or some are quick, some need a little bit of, you know, elaboration. So the first one is outside of your own brand, what is your favorite fashion brand? Why yourself? Oh, lovely! They do yeah. have nice bags. I just, I just love like the blackness of it all. Like, yeah. <laughs> and um, is there, in terms of low end, do you have any other brands that you that you um, like? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, I shop on like a <laughs> little thing and like misguided, but I'm not sure you'd consider that as a brand. Um, yeah yeah like of like a fashion brand yeah I mean it is it is like quite like fast fashion yeah because when I think brand I think like household names so like you know your Nikes your Adidas so mm. I'd say like Nike <laughs> I do like okay. Nike yeah um if you had to give yourself advice so let's say six years ago before you started the brand Mm -hmm. what is something you would have told yourself I would have told myself to build as many connections as you can at university because they will become handy for you in the future and how so can you elaborate a little bit when you're at uni you have access to so many different people with so many different kinds of skills and you just never know like when you might need like I don't know like a photographer or videographer or somebody that studied fashion like I just wish I done mechanical engineering at university so all the people that I know from uni are people that done mechanical engineering um, but yeah. I wish I got to know like people that were a little bit more on the creative side of things so like people that studied graphic design or something like that and maybe I would have built Shiva Shiva with them mm. or had them like come in and just be able to provide like a different kind of like vision for the brands and bring in like a different kind of skill because I have my skill set my brother has his skill set and perhaps that third person could have come in and have a different set of skill sets that we don't even know we needed. What's been the best part of your journey so far with building the brand? And just the, yeah, the business. Um, I would say my best part is just seeing where I've come from, um, because like I have been like I used to document this a lot, like um, when I first started. So being able to watch that footage back and seeing like how the brand has changed over time, like that's really lovely to look at. And I would yeah. say like any pop up we do, um, they just get better and better. Like um, we done one in France um prior to the most recent one and that one was amazing we met so many amazing people and then the one that we've done in London recently was even better so we just really look forward to meeting new people and getting a brand out there and I think that's one of my favorite parts of the journey just having people say they like your stuff and seeing people wear your stuff as well is yeah nice feeling that must be yeah that must be a lovely feeling and I feel like one thing that that contributes to a lot of people's success you know like you're saying you've you've seen the business grow and change and um, you've molded it over time but I feel like that's something that takes to actually even begin the business it takes some confidence within yourself to and faith to say you know I'm going to start this and I know that it will succeed yeah it does take a lot of confidence um, and also it was tricky for me because I did start a subject that's considered a good subject and I did have people like oh why, why are you not doing your mechanical engineering doing something to do with that and if I'm honest I went to uni to fulfill a plan b oh. so mechanical engineering is always going to be something I'll be able to fall back on if you know my plan a doesn't work um at the time I didn't know what plan A was going to be but all I knew is that you know I want to work for myself and I can't take credit um for that statement because um it's actually something I overheard this guy that I went to sixth form say to the teacher when she asked him what are your plans for the future and he said you know what university is a plan B I plan to be rich before then and I was like you know what same 
<laughs> I love that. <laughs> and okay, so something that you would tell somebody that's about to start a business. So it could be it could be fashion, it could be a restaurant, it could be going into music or whatever business that they're going into what's something that you would tell them um before they so begin the first thing i'll tell them which i feel like a lot of business owners would tell them is just to start um because you know nothing's ever going to be perfect in your eyes so just start but another thing that i would say is just ignore what anybody else has to say mm. and don't don't like dwell on what anybody else has to say about what you're doing because at the end of the day it's your life and you're going to regret something that you haven't tried like you don't want to be like there 30 years down the line and saying to yourself like I wish I had just tried and whilst you're young this is the time to try because you know for the majority uh, you don't have that many responsibilities at this present moment in time and there is always time to like restart when I think about when my dad came into this country like he was like in his 30s and he's managed to you know build a life for himself so if my dad can do that coming from a foreign country what makes you think that if god forbid your business doesn't turn out to be what you wanted it to be what makes you think you can't start again and you're already here you've already got the education you've already got certain things in place it will be easier for you to start again and you shouldn't be scared to you know start your life again if you know what I mean no no you're right you're right and I do agree with you um okay so what would you say has been the biggest attribute to your success so far I would say having a good support system has been like a big contributing factor and I would say just having the confidence to just do it irrespective of what anybody has to say and I guess because I do have like quite a good support system it does put pressure on me in order to succeed because they do believe in me so much like I guess if it was a thing where I'm going to prove you wrong I wouldn't perhaps have that much motivation to prove someone wrong but I'm in a place where I need to prove people right because they do have that faith and they yeah. do believe that this is going to be successful. So I feel like that that puts pressure on me, but it's a good That's pressure. A, yeah, that is a different pressure, isn't it? Because like you're saying, typically it's the other way around where people are trying to prove something that I can do it. Like you don't believe in me, so I'm going to show you. But actually in this case, you've got that support system. But then on, on the flip side of it is because you have that support system, it may give you that comfort to know that I can succeed because I have people that are backing me and are behind me yeah it does it does but then it's scary at the same time because it's like you don't want to let these people down Mm. yeah I can imagine (laughs) yeah um okay (laughs) what keeps you going on the bad days or the days where things are not going your way what keeps you going what keeps me going is just knowing where I want to be there's like this little note that I have written in my office where it's like let me read a bit of it out (laughs) sometimes motivation is hard to come by but to be great you have to work it's okay to have an off day but tomorrow is a new day don't let anxiety cripple you take a moment to remember that you are and will be great focus on your goal and don't let other people's progression deter you from your own progress slow and steady wins the race businesses do not flourish overnight so it's okay that things may not be moving today always remember that this is your life and you will make it how you will lots of love and motivated taddy <laughs> oh i love yeah. that i'm gonna yeah. copy that i'm gonna write that down later on and just remind myself like you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay, it's okay um, like it happens and also i reckon one of the things that I feel like perhaps was getting me down a little bit was sort of seeing other people's progression that are working and just kind of feeling like I'm just loads of steps behind them. Like I'm not comparing yourself to them and comparing yourself to other people's success and progress. Exactly. Cause I'm not able to save as much. A lot of my money is going into what I'm trying to build here. But if don't let other people's progression deter you because, you know, you know what you want and you have your vision. And if you let that sort of change the way you're looking at your own life, you're just going to end up regretting it. 
Yeah. And essentially, like, where does it end? Because there will always be somebody, and not to say this in a negative way, but I feel like with everybody, there will always be somebody doing better than you, and there will always be somebody doing not as good as you. So there'll always be somebody that f- in in your perspective is in front of you and maybe somebody that's behind you in the race. So it's like it, that that comparison will never end and it's partly just having to come to a space where you're comfortable with your vision and a space where you're comfortable with your position and, and moving it forward and not looking at what other people are doing because again whether it's in our 20s now in our 30s in our 40s you know though you will always compare yourself so you have to kind of come to that space of comfortability and confidence in yourself and what you're exactly. doing yeah exactly. That's exactly it. <laughs> the last question is what's the vision what's what what can you tell us before we leave the vision for Shivoshwa um, in general, just in life, <laughs> for you, I mean, for the brand, what can we look forward to? My, my whole vision, like, it's kind of, like, shocking because, like, my ultimate, one of my ultimate, I have two ultimate goals in life. So, um, like, personal goals. So, my first goal is, um, it is based on engineering. So, eventually, I would love to have my own theme park oh wow <laughs> that is amazing um so that is a dream of mine and hopefully I'll be able to achieve that but prior to that I would love to give back so what I would love to do is to sort of build a school here a private school here so um a fee-paying school but that those fees won't be going into like my pockets they would then be funding a school in Zimbabwe um, where that I would build a school in Zimbabwe and, you know, send kids there that are from, like, deprived, you know, background and just give them, like, an education because I do feel like education is so important. And in that education, I would love for them to be able to also travel because I feel like when you're exposed to different kind of um, cultures, you you widen your perspective on life so if I could just give a little bit back to you know the community that I'm from that would be a great thing but in terms of the business um I do want it to be a household name um and also I would love to take my manufacturing to again Zimbabwe and have my own factory there that produces the garments for me and give back to you know the economy in Zimbabwe as well and um, give people oh. jobs and yeah just I have a peace yeah okay well thank you for talking to me where can people find you so the website um social media where where can we find so you you can find us on Instagram so that's Shivoshiva S-V-O-S-V-A the website is um, shivoshiva.com and yeah, it's Shivoshiva all round. And the YouTube as well, because I know you've got a few clips on there already. Yeah, right? the YouTube is Shivoshiva as well. So it's Shivoshiva on YouTube, Facebook, and on Instagram. I will put all her information in the description box. So that will include the website, her Instagram, the Facebook and everything else. Thank you so much for talking to me. I know you're a busy woman and, you know, there's a million other things you could be doing, but you spend your evening talking to me. So I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been nice. It's my first podcast. So. Well, thank you. That's it. That's the end. You can find me as always on Instagram, Dreams and Money Podcast. That's Instagram, Dreams and Money Podcast.